recording. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for listening. This is Matt with Cinematic Reviews, and this is a new channel for me. You may know me from The Geek, The Nerd, and The Tangent, where I did Matt's movie reviews. At least that's what I called it at that point. So if, you've, if you have listened in the past, you probably know a little bit about me, and if this is the first time you've listened to this channel, this is the opportunity for you to get to know me and what I guess my perspective is on movies and, and, and the like. And I am joined today by a good friend, Nathan Dallin, who is a, who is a great uh, advice give, giver and uh, encourager of the podcast. And uh, he is going to interview me for this to try to pull out some nitty-gritty details. And so I am, I'm basically going to turn this podcast over to him and uh, kind of let him take the reins here, uh, whichever direction he decides to take this. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the interverse, inter interwebverse, interverse. Hmm. Matt's handed me the reins. It's a scary, scary proposition. But I'll tell you what I did. I sent Matt a list of fifty questions that I might ask him on his first flagship inaugural podcast episode for his new channel, all having to do with his philosophy on movies. I have now selected five of those fifty questions. I've not told him which five, and we're now going to talk about each one and try to get to the bottom of what causes Matt to just love movies, think about movies, and why he takes the time to tell us about every single movie he can get his hands on. So Matt, we're going to start off with the most basic and most important question. What is your criteria for a good movie? Oh, that, that, is, a, that is a loaded question, and... So I, I got to say first that I am the type of person that I can enjoy a movie even if it isn't the best movie ever made, right? So I can go and I could tell it that it's a C- minus movie or a D, a D grade movie and I could still leave that theater having had a good time, right? And I could still have enjoyed my experience at the theater. Whether or not I ever want to see that movie again is another story altogether. But when I see a movie and I say that was a great movie, there are a couple of things that I really look for specifically. The thing about movies, the, the medium of movies, is the greatest strength is in their ability to show you something, right? Unlike a, a radio dramatization or something, they have to describe it or through dialogue or through exposition or, or what have you. And movies, not to say the dialogue is obsolete or anything like that, but they, you have the opportunity to show the audience. And part of the artistic uh, form is thinking of creative ways to show an audience what's happening through exposition or, you know, show them the exposition instead of just telling them, right? So instead of having your characters say something like, hey, uh, Johnny, how long have we been brothers? You know, stuff like that, that obviously the characters would know, but it's just for the audience's benefit. A, a good movie writer is someone that figures out how to show how long they've been brothers without ever telling us. And that, so that's, a, that's one big thing I look for. And to give an example of that, there's a movie that recently came out called Hell or High Water. And it, it's a really good movie. It's, it's quite fantastic. 
I not in the genre sense, but just fantastic as a positive uh, uh, description of it. But the just the opening scene, it's like a probably a minute shot, but it's done as a oneer, which means that it never cuts or anything. Like you never see anything from a different angle. It's just the camera, and all you do is you see it panning, and you see a car drive up, and you see you know what type of car it is. You see where you're located. It's just it's just a really fascinating shot, you know. I'll spare you the descriptive details of it necessarily, but what they succeeded to do is put you in the setting. They told you what was going on, and they told you who was there. Uh, obviously, there's still more details to to come in the rest of the movie, but they told you so much in that one camera shot without saying one single word any of the characters. Uh, so, so, so Matt, does uh, are, you mentioned this at sort of the beginning? So, the medium of film has the capacity to tell stories differently. So, you're talking hell or high water right now. Can you give us sort of an idea of a book that, as a movie, was just very different? Not necessarily better or worse, but just as a book, it, its storytelling was good, but as a movie, it was just really different. Can you think of anything like that? Uh, I mean, one one that comes to mind, and that's just because we recently discussed it, is uh, Ready Player One. And and I bring this up because I think it is a good example of an adaptation. So the book is a really, really enjoyable read, especially if you enjoy 80s nostalgia, that kind of thing. But a lot of it is this main character playing an 80s video game for really large segments of the book. And to see that on the big screen would not translate well at all. So what Steven Spielberg and co-creators had to do with that adaptation is find ways to take these different tasks that were in Ready Player One and not simplify them, but put them into a visual universe instead of a descriptive universe. And they actually completely changed, if I remember right, it was all of all three of the, the major... Uh, tasks at hand, uh, you know, that were required in Ready Player One. So it became a very different adaptation, but it's a good thing because books and movies are very different storytelling mediums, like you say. And a book is really great if you want to describe something, and it can be very exciting that way. But if we were to sit in a theater and watch someone play an 80s video game for an hour, we would, we would de demand refunds, right? So... Spielberg, being a great storyteller, knows that. And so he knew he needed to make some changes to make it a visual experience instead of a just descriptive one. Okay, so let's think about this a little bit more then. If the film medium has some unique characteristics, are those more or less the characteristics you're looking for in determining your movie? For instance, maybe there's a character that in the story is just not a good character, but because we have the medium of film, the actor gets to portray that particular character in a particular way. Is it possible that a crappy character is well acted and therefore transforms the storytelling a little bit inside of a movie setting? Is that more or less what you're talking about here? Yeah. So I think uh, the yeah. I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is basically with movies, since you since it's a visual medium, the strength of movies is when someone can take something and make it 
pretty much so if you could turn off the dialogue, you could turn off the music, and you could still have a good time watching this thing, and it, and it and it would still make sense to you. That's that's kind of what I'm getting at. As far as your question about the the characters, I mean, I'm not always good at uh, thinking of examples on the spot, um, but yeah, certainly if there if there was a an actor who was talented enough, could certainly give life to a character that was otherwise quite dull. Well, so then if what, so you're watching a film, one of the things that you begin to look for then are these highlights that through the medium of film matter, right? So this is, what, what are those, I guess? What are, what are the different uh, criteria or the different bullet points that a film has that you're just not going to see in normal storytelling? Yeah, so an, another thing with film is you got to be pretty quick. Right, you don't have a lot of time to tell your story, and you got to move quickly. So these are all. So let me say the constraints of film are are things that can actually be the strength of film, I think. So you may not, you know, get an audience to read a thousand page book, but if you condense it to a two and a half hour movie, you're going to get a lot of uh, people seeing that story or, or participating in that story in that in that sort of way, uh, kind of. Lost my train of thought there, but <laughs> no, no, no. So I, I, you know, just I think that this is such an important point for people to understand, uh, because I just know that I, as a moviegoer, I like to go to see a movie and I think, oh, the story is the thing that matters the most. Well, it's a movie, so the story is clearly an important point to this whole deal. But at the same time, there are so many other interesting things going on that it's possible to have sort of a dull story that ends up being a really quite remarkable film. So I, you know, what was that Brad Pitt movie where they like just followed a kid around for his whole life or something like that? I can't, oh, what's it called? Um, you talk about Tree of Life? Yeah, Tree of Life. So talk about Tree of Life for a little bit because <laughs> from a story perspective, I don't like, this isn't going to be a great book to read, right? But like as a film, that was so interesting to me because it sort of, in my opinion, took a, a story that was sort of not necessarily a, a grab you story with a lot of depth to it, but the film turned it into that somehow. It did. And, 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 you know, that's, that's director Terrence Malick. He has a, he has a talent for doing that. I, I gotta say tree of life is one, one of the movies that I watch that is actually, it was kind of a magical experience for me. And at first it was kind of a, what am I watching? You know, what, what is this? But as I as I came to just sit back and let it happen, I uh, I realized that I was living in this kid's memory, you know. And as a movie, it was transporting me to a place where, you know, I I was relating uh, in a way with my growing up experience with my brother. But somehow the 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 way that he is such a visual storyteller allowed me to to really feel like I was living through somebody's real memories and not, not in a way that, you know, no one's telling me about their experiences, but yeah, like you said, it's just following this kid, but it's done in such a beautiful artistic way that, yeah, not, unfortunately, not everyone, it's not a movie for everyone. Um, you know, because a lot of people want an interesting story or interesting plot points and devices and, and the like, but yeah, this this was a special movie to me because it it was visual. You know, it it was the strength 
of the movie. And, and you, you know, you talk about story, but there's other strengths to film. And, uh, you know, one of those is cinematography. That's another one that I look for. And I, I'm just blown away by these images that cinematographers are able to capture. You know, that, that, oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. All right. So this, this then, um, I guess we should do one cleanup question, and then we'll get into my second big question. <laughs> so how do you – what's your grading scale for a film? And then sort of give me an example at each step. So I've heard some of your reviews in the past. It, I've heard as low as a D – I don't know if ever I've ever heard you give an actual F score. Have you ever given an F, Matt? I think I may have for Robin Hood. I'll have to double check that. <laughs> okay, so let's start with that then. So, what what causes a movie to hit F status? So, a movie hitting F status is basically just it's it's mindless. It was uh, it was created uh, basically. They're just uh, let's throw some star power at this thing. Because we know our script is garbage. We know uh, we haven't taken the time to write this thing out. So let's get Taron Egerton. Let's get uh, whoever else was in that movie. And let's sell some tickets with these faces. You know, to me, this like the movie just has nothing to offer. It's not visually interesting. I mean, anyone with an iPhone, uh, not to say they could make this particular movie because they did have a budget, you know, but... I mean, come on, anyone with, like, if you gave that same budget to another filmmaker, they could have made a great, great movie. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think, you know, going along my criteria, just it did, did nothing to forward the, the idea of film, did nothing to entertain. I was sleeping. I was, like, happy to get up and go to the bathroom during the movie because it was just that dull. You know, the the story did nothing. The visuals were not that interesting. Nothing mattered in that movie. So that that to me is an F movie. It just it's it's pointless. It should have never been made. Give that money to some amateur that has you know. Give it to a, a future George Lucas and see what they can do with it. Interesting. All right. So what's the flip side? What does an A plus movie look like? And can you give us an example? Yeah. So I don't do A pluses. I do A's. Oh. 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 That means that that means it's just held in abeyance for the best film you see in a decade, right? Is that what that means? <laughs> it it is, uh, yeah. You, you don't get to be an A for nothing. Um, let me say so. If people aren't familiar, I do just the typical grading scale. So A, you know, A, B, C, D, F, and just as you would get in in college or something like that. The reason I do that is because I was actually an educator for quite a while. In different circumstances, but uh, you know, I enjoyed teaching at some community colleges in the in the years past, and so I I got used to giving out grades. So I decided that kind of fit me to give these these types of grades. But back back to your question, as far as an A, so something recently that did get an A is Roma, which uh, I know you know this, but I was a huge fan of this movie. I thought it was fantastic because it. And, uh, you know, this goes back to the, the question before, what's something I, I look for or love in a movie? and Or what's the strength of movies that I, I think can contribute to humanity? Is it gives us an opportunity to experience somebody's life that otherwise we would have no clue about, right? When was the last time the average American thought about 1970s Mexico, you know, in, in some suburb in Mexico City? 
pretty much nobody, right? But this gives it just gives you that opportunity to increase your ability to empathize and to to know the world around you without actually having a time machine to travel back to Mexico City in 1970, right? And it, and the, it was such a beautiful movie, so well done, so much, uh, so much artistic uh, talent went into making this shot by shot, and the, uh, I mean, it was just, it was beautiful. So that movie to me got an A. Interesting. All right, second question: What does the average moviegoer miss out on because they don't know what to pay attention to? That is a good question, and I, I think. I think the biggest thing is people maybe maybe this is wrong, but I think people just simply don't think about the movies that they're watching. And and that probably comes from the fact that people in general don't go to a movie to think about it, right? A lot of people go to movies to escape thinking about things. And 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 I get that. I totally get that. But I do think uh and this kind of goes back to my comment before about the uh, being able to empathize more. You know, you, you reach out and you, and it really depends on which type of movie you're seeing. You know, like if you're out watching a Transformers, I don't have much to say to you about what you're missing from movies other than good movies themselves, right? But if you're if you're at at the theater and you're watching just like an actually fairly well-made movie or something, you know, I would say it, it is good to be aware of what you're watching and to think about it and to uh, just just think about where movies can transport you and what the potential is there and whether or not it's, is it just escapism or is there something more to these things? And I think maybe the average moviegoer isn't necessarily thinking about those things, which by all means, that's that's good for you. If you could turn turn your brain off for a couple hours, that's a positive thing too. But yeah, I, I, I do think movies give us an opportunity to think and to critically think, which I th is a skill that is sadly lacking, I think, in, in our society today as a whole. You're so judgy, Matt. I just feel <laughs> so judged by you right now. Excellent. All right. So if... If I am the type of person who just goes to a movie to just escape, I'm just there to have a good time. I don't care who the director is. I don't know the name of any producers or script writers. Why would I want to listen to your podcast? Well, I think and you know that is a very good reason to listen to my podcast because you aren't going to every movie. You're not out there, you know, trying to catch every single thing that comes to the theater. You're wanting to know what is the movie that I should go see. What is the movie that is, you know, the top of the list that's actually worth my time? What's something that's actually going to help my brain escape the monotonies of life or what have you? And I think I can provide that on this channel. You know, I think I can, I, I give, so my format is pretty much five to ten minute video, or not videos, but sound clips of my thoughts on the movie. And so it's it's not a large time commitment for you in general for these movies. So you could quickly get in, hear what I have to say about the movie and see whether or not it's worth your time. You know, and if if you hear something then you're like, okay, I, I gotta go see this one. I think this will be a good one for me to go and escape for a little while. But otherwise you may hit or miss. You know, that this is just I think an opportunity for people to to hear ahead of time 
and get an idea of something that they may want to go see or they may want to skip altogether. You know, maybe you okay. thought maybe you thought Robin Hood sounded like a great idea. But it you, does. It sounds like an awesome idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And isn't the isn't the archery work in that movie good? By the way, for the audience, full disclosure, Matt gave that a terrible review, and I chose not to go see it because I was actually contemplating that. So, um, dodged a bullet on that one. I think the budget was huge. I think they had like a hundred million dollar budget or something insane. Yeah, it was just a total disaster. It sounds like. Um, but okay, so you're just trying to make me smarter. So I listen to your podcast, and I will be smarter. Is that the promise, Matt? Is that how this works? Either I mean, I hope so. I hope I give you some insights into film in general, but you may just get some. Some good uh, ideas of which films to not see, which films to go see. You know, if you're, if you're the person that's not trying to catch every movie. If you are the person that is trying to catch every movie, I am hopefully going to provide some insights to you, and I would love to have discussion with you as well, you know, and have you reach out to me on, on Twitter in particular. So that would be great. Cool. All right, number three. Are movies better experienced with friends or by yourself, and why? That is a, oh, that's, that, I think in general, our society kind of looks down on seeing movies alone. You know, if there, there's a little bit of a stigma around that. <clears throat> I've had to get past that because if I'm going to go see all the movies that I want to see, some of them I'm going to have to go see alone and I'm not going to have somebody with me. But I, I will say this, uh, if you listen to our if you go to the Geek Nerd, the Geek, the Nerd, and the Tangent podcast with Eric and Brett and myself, we just reviewed the movie Alita, and we talked about how a lot of times when Brett and I go see a movie, we end up being way more favorable to the movie than it probably deserves. And I think it's partly just because it's it's a good time. You know, you're kind of living off of each other's high going to see this this fun movie, you know, going out and having a good time together. So I do think that there are, that movies in general are going to be funner if you watch it with somebody else because you experience it and you can have discussions afterwards. You can feed off each other's energy in the movie theater, which I know may be a weird statement, but it's true. So I do think in general going with somebody to the movies is going to pay more as far as your uh, experience is concerned. Now, I have to just add in an anecdote here. One of the most enjoyable movie-going experiences I've ever had was seeing The Dark Knight opening night in a packed theater with people who were pumped about Batman and Joker, and then just having one of the great masterpieces of film right then and there, and everyone just, like, losing their minds. I mean, I remember it was like pandemonium after the film, and that is such a vivid memory for me. I mean, that was such a unique... Like, you just don't get that anywhere else. So that's a, I guess that's a little pitch for the midnight release on some of these blockbuster films. Were, so were you with friends then on that occasion? or? Yeah, so I was, I was in college. I mean, I'm not that old. This was, that must have been 2008, right? And so summer 2008, my apartment complex actually bought out a theater. So there's all these kids from my apartment complex, and I knew all of them. So when we were there, I knew 30, 40 people in that theater. Gotcha. It was such, that was so unique. I mean, unless your company or something buys it out, but we, we went to a movie that had a pretty good amount of hype in going into it. 
and then I felt like the film just delivered so much more than what I was expecting. And like, I'm not kidding. Like we talked about it till like four in the morning that night with me and some of my roommates and some other girls that we um, were hanging out with. And it was, uh, I just remember back to that time as like one of the most fond uh, social experiences I had uh, during my, my BYU time. So it was cool. I, I have to admit it was super cool. Yeah. And I think that that's probably tainted my opinion. I think that's one of the best three movies of all time. But like you said, maybe it's just I've got this this groupthink explosion of euphoria that has tainted my thinking. <laughs> I I think there's something to that. You know, I, I do think a movie can be more positive or less positive depending on who you see it with or whether or not you see it with anybody. I do think it makes a difference. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Question number four, you already answered, so I'm going to have to do a replacement here. The question was, are movies important or simply escapism? I feel like we covered that pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we did. So the the, uh, the makeup question is, what movie do you want to see remade by your favorite director? Hmm. Oh, boy. What movie do I want to see remade by my favorite director? First off, who's my favorite director? That's the question. Oh, this is that's what's getting him held up. Because we all know that the answer is Harry Potter. He wants to see Harry Potter remade. Um, now it's just, who does he want to direct it? That's, I, that's why this I, is I so actually hard. really would like to see Harry Potter remade. I don't know if you're being facetious or not, but yeah, I would, I would love that. Yeah. So now it's just a matter of who's who's the director to do it. Oh, that's tough, Matt. Who who do you who do you select? Well, I I'm mean, holding your feet to the fire. You got to come up with an answer. Let, let me say this while we're on this topic because I've always thought this is a very interesting idea. What if we just had a script, a really good script, for say any type of movie? It could be a drama, action, what have you. And you gave that same script to, let's say, you gave it to Quentin Tarantino. Oh jeez. You, you gave it to uh, Michael Bay. You oh gave gosh. It, you gave it to Wes Anderson. Oh! And and then you gave it to Chris Nolan. Let's just say oh. that. Oof. And you say, "All right, guys, go make this movie. Don't talk to each other. Just make just make the movie you would make." I would be so fascinated to see uh, the different versions of this script that came out from those different directors. You know, so it, I mean, you, you think about it: a Wes Anderson versus a Quentin Tarantino, or a Michael Bay versus a Christopher Nolan. They're they're very different products that you get at the end. So, yeah, I would say picking picking the director makes a difference. And I, I have a few directors that I really respect. And it would be... It would really depend on the story itself. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to think about this one deeper. This is this is a tough one. If it, if it right. was... If, so, there was a correct answer to this, and it is Christopher Nolan needs to remake all of the Harry Potter films. <laughs> so... Christopher got, Nolan, Harry Potter. Dude, we would all leave the theater questioning our childhoods if Christopher <laughs> Nolan directed oh all the Harry Potter films. Can you imagine? <laughs> I think we they would hand out Prozac at the theater as you're walking out because all of our dreams will have been crushed by by you know the the um, inception levels of madness. Right. <laughs> Nuts. All right. So this next question, Matt, I want you to, to be as honest as you can be, but how do you handle content, meaning adult themes, violence, nudity, how do you handle content that you personally don't 
feel comfortable with. So when do you draw the line and you say, I'm just not going to see that film? But then also, how do you recommend to people that they handle that? You know, that's, that is, uh, that's an important question. And, you know, I've, I've talked about this a little bit in the past on our, on our uh, Geekner Tangent episodes. Uh, I, I will say, first and foremost, it does matter what we watch. And what we watch does have an effect on us whether for the for good or bad you know it, it can it can affect us and it does and our minds are you know somewhat uh, they're pretty susceptible to the things that we take in visually and auditorially and it, it, it's important and so let, let me just start off by saying that and let me also start off by prefacing this that I I grew up in a in a religious household and I am a religious person and that does affect my choice in, in my mu- movie viewing uh, content, the things that I choose to see and choose not to see. Uh, the, the biggest thing I would say to people, and, and I'll get into some specifics as far as I'm concerned, but the biggest thing is when you're watching something, you, you need to be aware of, of the things that, you're, that affect you negatively and avoid those things. And for me specifically, uh, I, even though I grew up in a, in a religious household and, and a, a fairly conservative one, you know, I didn't grow up watching R-rated movies or anything like that. At, the, at this stage of my life, I'm not entirely opposed uh, to movies based on the rating system. That, that, that is not how I go about choosing to see a movie or not, because there are Plenty of PG-13 movies that I would not watch, and there's some really good R-rated films that I think are important and or can be a good time, just depending on on how you see it. Uh, so for me, the biggest things that I avoid are things that are like raunchy comedies. You know, they're just like adult rated R comedies type of things. That's something I'm never going to be getting into because I don't like the overt sexual themes, I don't like flippant sexuality, you know, people just, because to me, sexuality is an important thing, and it, and it matters, but it feels like to me in a lot of these movies that people are just throwing it around left and right, and it doesn't matter until someone gets caught, and then suddenly it matters, and it, you know, so that, that to me is the biggest thing, it's just flippant sexuality, and that oftentimes will in- includes nudity, and that sort of thing. So I generally avoid those types of movies, which could be rated R, could be PG-13, right? It just it just depends. But for me, I'm not too bothered by language. That's probably, honestly, because I'm a little desensitized, because a lot of the people that I work with are very, let's say, outspoken. And so I, yeah, I'm exposed to it all day long, so it doesn't affect me too much anyway. Violence can can very much affect me. And I, I will say that I have the ability when I'm watching a movie, I can separate reality from fiction. You know, I, could, I can see what is on the screen and I could say, hey, that's not real. So I have that ability to, to do that. Other people don't. Like my wife does not have the ability to separate those things. They, they become very real for her. So she anything that's even remotely like violent, she can't handle. For me, it's it's not the case unless hap- it happens to be like a clip of reality, 
you know, at the end of uh, Michael Moore's recent documentary that I went to see, he showed a clip of the uh, the Charlottesville, uh, the the car, the person that drove the car into the protesters, and that, like that was a real clip, so it really shocked me, and and you know, it was it was a hard thing to watch, but yeah, so I just in general, like the the things that I avoid the most are related to I guess overt sexual sexuality and and just being flippant about it and and that sort of thing so i I don't know if that do you feel satisfied with that answer do you have any follow-ups no i don't feel satisfied at all (laughs) (laughs) well i just want to press on a couple things so please if do you think that it's just best to play it safe and say you know what i just have a a no r-rated movie blanket uh sort of uh criteria if it's rated R, I'm just going to play it safe and I'm going to get out. Do you think somebody misses out if they have that kind of a criteria? I will say that the R ratings are there for a reason. And so there's some content that certain people just don't want to watch and they can't, and they can't handle it because it affects them very deeply. I, I am of the opinion that there are a lot of important uh, movies in that aspect because, for example... And and I did, and this is something I mentioned before as well. But I do think the violence level between a PG thirteen and, and an R movie are important distinctions because I almost think that the PG thirteen type of violence is is more destructive or can be more numbing to our minds because we never have to pay the consequence for what we're watching. Right? It's usually just a cutaway. You know, you do whatever you want, but as long as you cut away. But if you're in kind of a more on the R-rated side of the violence, you actually have to own up to the consequences of, of what you saw, right? And it, and it, and it affects you to a deeper level. Uh, I, I do think, so, so that, that's, I guess, one point. And I'm not condoning violence, you know, you don't have to go watch something violent if you don't want to watch it. But I do think that just because something is rated R does not mean that you should avoid it altogether. Uh, you know, there's there's important movies that are rated R. I think, I mean, Schindler's List to me is one of those. Uh, you know, you've got Silence was a recent one. M- Martin Scorsese did a movie called Silence. Oh, don't talk to me about Silence. That jarred me. That jarred me to my core. I mean, there that that film. Oh, jeez, we should just have a podcast just about that film. We should. Really messed me up, man. <laughs> but, really messed me up. But let me ask you this: Was it? Did it mess you up in a way that actually affected your life, like in in a real way, or was it just like, I don't know, you just felt negative, and so you never want to think about it again? Well, okay, I guess we should preface this slightly because I will answer that question. But so this film is about Spanish missionaries who go to Japan, feudal Japan. So this is like when the shoguns are in charge. 16th century, right? Yeah, 16th century Japan. And white people are basically banned from the island and more important, or the, the a chain of islands that is Japan. And more importantly, Christianity, um, it, like the penalty is like instant death. And so these or missionaries... Torture. Or and torture and then death, yeah. Um, the torture, of course, occurs to try to dissuade everybody else from participating in Christianity. And these two missionaries from like Italy go struggle with the language learn to love the people locally and and are baptizing them into christianity and then the shoguns just come in and then they just 
cause the missionaries to, they don't torture the missionaries. They torture the people they've baptized. <laughs> and it's, it is just, Oh goodness. And like, it's not over the top violent. It's really not like, I, I can't remember very much if any blood, but I just remember being so deeply affected by seeing this guy go through a crisis of faith because he has baptized these people. He's the, he's the direct cause of their suffering. And he has to go through this for like three hours. And that movie has no music in it. It is like, like there are just, it's called silence, man. Oh, there's like five minutes of just this guy, just like in agony, agonizing over the decisions he's made as the Japanese are like, Oh yeah, you are going to be fine. We'll feed you right. We're going to be very kind to you, and we're going to be terrible to our own people who have defected. And it's oh my gosh! And you know, especially I've served a mission, man. Like that hit me. That hit me. That hit me in the feels. And I watched it by myself late at night, not in the theater at home. Mm-hmm. And oh, I'll tell you what, that really, that really caused some deep internal reflection on my part. Right, but but would you say that internal reflection overall is a positive thing or a negative thing? Oh, this was good. No, this is totally good for me. I, I mean, because I think that was important that you said earlier on the content front is why is the content there just to be dumb, meaning salacious, a cheap joke. Um, you just want random nudity to try to make the 15 year old boys get excited. Then obviously that's just inappropriate and it's sleaze. In this particular case, the the moments of violence that occur are, are because there's an emotional payout to this. You need to understand how hard it was for these Christian missionaries to deal with what was going on around them, and there's no other way to get there emotionally. And just they're, they're, them dealing with their own faith as they see these people suffer and go through the things that they go through, and it's real life. I mean, it's not a documentary, and it's not meant to be a documentary, but it's no. just fascinating to, to sort of give me a slice of what it was really like for some of these people who really went through stuff like this. And yes. so yeah, I, I think it enriched my life. I would and, say that it enriched my life. And that, there's where you're going back to my, I, I, my thought on film in general is it gives you, it, it allows us to empathize more. Right. So I think basically the idea of empathy is that you've somehow to some degree experienced something that someone else has experienced and film allows us to do that in some small way. And I think, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that it allows us to do. And that's the biggest reason that I think film is important is, is because of that reason. You know, like when, when would you ever have thought of 16th century missionaries in Japan had you not seen silence? And then it really affected you in a, in a, in a profound way. And so, I, yeah, I don't rule out rated R movies altogether. Um, I, there's a lot that I won't see. There's a lot of PG-13 I won't see, but it, like you said, it's the why of the content. It's why is this content in this in this movie or in this TV show that that really really directs whether or not I'll watch it, right? So if something is just violent because it wants to be violent, right? It's just hey, let's go have a good time and shoot people and kill them. Then that's something I'm not too into. But if there's a reason for it. You know, if, if I'm watching something that's more purposeful, and that word purpose can vary very much with a lot of people, but yeah, I guess, hopefully I've summarized it okay. 
Well, Matt, those are my five questions. This has been a good introduction to what we can expect from your your podcast moving forward. And I can say honestly that I'm excited and happy that you're dedicated to this and I will become a smarter, more informed moviegoer as a consequence. So thank you very much. Well, one thing I strive to do, I'm striving to become a, a smarter and more informed moviegoer. You know, and, and this this is something that helps me do that. And hopefully I'll be able to, to spread something to someone else. Maybe it's just, hey, I should see this or maybe I shouldn't. But maybe it's uh, maybe it's something that goes a little bit deeper. I don't know, but I, I hope that'll happen at some point uh, during this podcast journey. So I hope you keep listening, and thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you've had an enriching experience listening to this podcast, just to get to know me and what this channel is all about. And please continue to listen. Most episodes are not going to be this long unless I decide to take a deep dive on something. Most of my movie reviews are between 5 and 10 minutes, which I, I try to stick to because I don't think uh, pe most people generally want to hear more than that. And I am not a very wordy person in general, so it works out for, it's a win-win. Any last words, Nathan Daniel? No, nope, we're just excited. Keep, keep them rolling. Okay. And uh, I'll probably only see three, maybe four movies in the theaters this year, and I will see none of them until I hear the Matt movie review. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, and I, I very much appreciate your time today. Thank you for for uh, providing this this interview. You know, I I think it'll help our it'll help my audience to to know what this is all about and why they should hopefully listen. 